thank you guys for coming out on this midweek uh, for a Bible study here at Christian Embassy, and we're just going to dive right in. The Lord's just been putting on my heart as we've been, uh, this year the theme has definitely been Welcome Holy Spirit. The last days there's going to be a great outpouring of the Spirit of God, and while there's going to be all kinds of uh, atrocities and all kinds of spiritual warfare and things the enemy is doing in a greater fashion in the last days, the Bible said there would be a great outpouring of the Spirit of God and we would see the church rise up and I believe see an end-time revival. I want to be a part of the beginning of that end-time revival and to do so, we've got to stay in the Word, we've got to stay full of His Word and full of His Spirit and right on mark so that we are at the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Amen? Amen. So we're going to study His Word, and in doing that, we, uh, the Lord's just been impressing upon my heart to the warfare that's going on. And some of you may not know what that's like, and uh, you live in a bubble somewhere, but for the ones that live in the real world, we definitely know what's going on. There's a lot of warfare that has been going on. And don't think it's strange if there's been intensity of warfare in your personal life and over your family, and over your finances, and over your health, because there has been an increase of warfare that the enemy is bringing against us, which to me encourages me, because I believe that as he is intensifying, he sees that there is that every time he sees a mighty move of God swelling up and, a, and an advancement of the kingdom of God, he tries to, because he's been around long enough, he can see how it's coming to a head. He tries to get people most discouraged, people most distracted, people most off uh, track uh, before that happens. So they miss what God is doing. Well, I've, I've been around a little while now as well, and I, I'm going to call the devil out. I'm going to call him out. So we're going to look at how the kingdom of darkness operates, and we're going we're gonna to look at that tonight. So we're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, looking at verses 3, 4, and 5 there, where the Apostle Paul is giving us some uh, insight here, for he says, though we walk in the flesh, he says we live in this world, this fleshly body that we're in. We see through the fleshly realm. We see in the three dimensions that we uh, function in in life. He says there's more to it than what we can see. There's a lot more going on uh, that you can't see with your natural eye. So he says, so we cannot war according to the flesh. We can't limit our battles to what we can see. If you're always responding to what you're seeing and what's happening to you and what's coming against you, you're always just shadow boxing. Let me tell you what, you're always behind. You're always behind around. The enemy's already got a roundup on you. So he's telling us we've got to understand that in this a walk of faith that there's more going on than what we see in the natural eye. So we can't war according to the flesh. But he tells us that God has given us some weapons uh, for this warfare, and they're not carnal. It's not weapons that we've gone into some factory and manufactured, but the weapons are mighty through God. So they're mighty in God. So God has given us these weapons, and if we learn how to use these weapons, he says we can pull down strongholds. We can pulled and we can actually uh, go into this spirit realm where the real warfare is taking place and where there are strongholds, we can actively reach in and we can pull them down, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought. I love the precision that these uh, weapons have given us in victory, that we can bring every fought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Hallelujah. 
So he's talking about these strongholds that are going, that, that are not in the natural. You can't see them with your eye. You can see the manifestation of them in the physical realm, but you can't see the force that is behind the scene. Let me tell you what, as we learn kingdom strategies and we understand how the kingdom of darkness operates, it will help us to, by faith, reach into the realm that is more real and more eternal, or which is eternal, uh, and we can bring forth the victory into this temporal life that we're living now, fulfilling Jesus' prayer where we're bringing the kingdom of God, praying that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he's talking about these strongholds here, and these are spiritual personalities, and they try to bind us. They're spiritual personalities, they're demons, they're, they're, they have an assignment, there's a strategy, they've been trained, and they're trying to bind you. It comes from the Greek word, okurome, which uh, gives, the, it's a word in the Greek for a castle or for a fortress, but also a castle or a fortress of beliefs that we have that are strength by natural reasoning. Uh, anything uh, which one is reliant on. They, they, this is what they believe in. This is what they're relying on. Uh, but these are, these are thoughts that don't line up with the Word of God. These are lies that the enemy has put into our lives. And these thoughts come in and they hold you captive. These thoughts hold you captive. So it's more of what's going on between your ears than it is what is happening with your, your knuckles. You remember Fred Sanford would always get into a, a little a tough with someone, and he says, I'm, you know, I've got these five, uh, this, what does he call them? The five knuckles he talks about? Yeah, five, five knuckle sandwich that he would come in. He's always wanting to uh, tussle in the natural. But let me tell you what, if you do that, you're going to probably be a comedy show yourself uh, in the enemy's sight. If you want to have victory, you've got to learn how that these, captive, these thoughts, these uh, principalities he talks about and these strongholds, these, is what they do is they're trying to capture thought processes in your mind and make you believe they are real so then you live your lives by that, whether it's a fortress that you lock yourself into. Uh, you know, unforgiveness is one of those where we have unforgiveness and uh, we've got this thought of and this picture of what someone has done to us or what someone has said about us or what someone didn't do for us or what someone had promised and didn't come through with. And, and we build up this fortress in our mind and the enemy's fueling this, saying that you can't trust them. You can't trust them. Uh, they are male, so you can't trust males. Or they were female, you can't trust females. Or they were... Uh, call themselves to be a Christian, so you can't trust Christians or can't trust God. And all these, these things hold you captive. And unless you forgive them, God's got a supernatural way of getting this release is, is forgiving. And that's an act of the will where you forgive. But if you don't, this fortress is holding you captive. These thoughts are holding you captive. It could be thoughts where the enemy came in and says, you're an underachiever. You'll never succeed. You, you are, you, you'll, you'll never be successful. You'll never be healthy. You'll never find love. You'll never, you know, that's what the enemy does. And with these uh, strongholds, they want to bind your mind to, believe, to a belief system that is not what God says. So you're going to live beneath what God has planned for you because you're operating out uh, from the fortress walls that you've built up of this, this stronghold or that which you have believed in. 
So let me tell you, Satan has a well-thought-out plan and a strategy to destroy you. He has sharpened that knife, and he has got a razor-sharp edge in his plan to try and destroy your life. And he wants to, and he knows that if he showed up in the physical, and he says, here I am, I'm the devil, some of us would say, get thee behind me. We would, we would say, we would, some of us would want to fight him. Some of us would want to jump on him and say, you rascal for what you've caused me. So he knows we'd identify him that way. So he strategically operates in the spirit realm and he tries to mainly get into our thoughts. He tries to get into our thoughts and bring us thoughts that don't line up with the will of God for our lives. They're not truth, they're a lie. Anything he says is a lie. If you want to know if the devil's lying, all you got to do is see if his lips are moving. Because anything he says is a lie. You can believe the opposite of what the devil says. And, and, and if we're not careful, uh, we'll believe God's word in some areas of our lives, but we'll let this strategy of the enemy take root in other areas of our life, and we don't even realize it. Uh, about your physical body. I mean, the devil, especially with everything that is around us, he is trying his best to make everybody believe that we should be sick. Sickness is a natural part of this life. You should be sick. You're, you should be on some type of drug. Uh, there are commercials now by the billions and the billions of dollars sponsored with more drugs now. Uh, I think, I think uh, they say we've, we've got more drugs available to, illegal drugs, they say, available to the uh, Americans than any other country. And they've got more coming and more coming, which says, and you know, people will applaud that and say, ah, oh, that's great, we've got a country that, that is coming up with an FDA that has given us more and more drugs to help. But let me tell you what, it also brings in this mindset that, that the, the millions of us Americans, we just, we're going to be sick, Everybody's going to be sick, and if you're not sick right now, you're going to get sick. It's just supposed to be a natural part of life. Now, when you study the Word of God, you don't find that to be God's thought pattern and God's plan for us. He created our cells to reproduce healthy. He created us to live. He said that He would grant us with long life. He said it is His will that we would prosper and be in health and, 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 and prosper as our soul it prospers. He tells us that throughout the Scripture that He sent His Word to heal our diseases. He said disease was not something that lined up with my will, so I sent my Word to combat that. Jesus says, by my stripes, you're, you are healed. So He took stripes upon the whipping post so that uh, that blood, that precious blood could be shed to combat that uh, ransom that was held over us. For the Bible says that we were held a ransom. The enemy, because of our sin, had a right to take us as a, uh, and put a ransom over our head. But Jesus came and paid the ransom. He redeemed us, Peter said, with his precious blood. That word redeemed is the ransom was satisfied. The ransom was paid. So, so what we need to have our minds renewed is, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be sick. If there's sickness in my body, that don't mean I'm a bad person. That doesn't mean I'm not a Christian. That doesn't mean God doesn't love me. That means I'm under attack. Three people, yes. Let me talk to the cameras. I might be got more. Uh, yes, y'all, if y'all are watching by Facebook, say amen uh, and help us out here, okay? Because to me, this is good news. This is good news. Because if I know I'm under attack and it's not something I'm supposed to surrender to and live like that, then I've got hope. I've got hope. But if I feel like that God wants me sick 
and this is, this is going to lead me out of this world, then, and I've just got to learn to deal with it, you know what? That doesn't give me a whole lot of hope. I'm telling you. But when I get in the Word of God and I see that God says my name is Jehovah Rapha, I am your physician, I am your healer, I am your doctor, I, I come against the works of the devil. The devil's trying to kill you. Jesus said the devil's trying to steal from you. The devil's trying to destroy you. But I've come to give you an abundant life. Not just a life, but an abundant life. That gives me hope. So I'm in a warfare and I'm under attack. And that's encouraging to me because if I have value, I come under attack. So the enemy sees value in me. And I know greater is my God who is in me than he who is in the world. So I know that I can overcome this. I can be more than an overcomer. I can be more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus my Lord, right? So, so I, there's hope there. What I want to do is learn how to come out of this victoriously. And one of the ways is to understand the kingdom strategies and to understand how the kingdom of darkness works so that we don't participate with his strategy. See, the enemy is so clever and so uh, cunning that he gets us believing in, with just a slight of untruth so that we empower his strategy rather than uh, the strategy that the Lord would have given to us. So when disease comes, I say it's the spirit of infirmity. Jesus rebuked, every time you go to heal somebody, say he rebuked the spirit of infirmity. In most of the cases, he rebuked the spirit of infirmity. He, there was a spirit at work. There's an enemy. Oh, are they demon-possessed? They're spirit-filled Christians. Are they, why do you want to get in all the theological arguments? No, Paul says he was vexed by demons. He was vexed by the enemy. Let me tell you what. If you've got value and you are a child of God, the enemy wants to vex you. He wants to come against you. He wants to harm you. But we've got to learn how to take up our shield of faith and quench all the fiery darts of the enemy because the fiery darts are there. I mean, if you, you read that scripture, it's, it's implied fiery darts are coming. So it, it didn't say if fiery darts come. He says you better learn how, above all things, to take up the shield of faith, which can quench all the fiery darts, right? So I look at when disease comes in, that's a fiery dart got through. And, and I'm like, that doesn't mean I'm a bad person, but it does mean the devil's bad, and I'm not going to just sit here and let him get by with it. We're going to ramp up our prayer, we're going to ramp up the Word, and we're going to line our words of our tongue with the Word of God, and we're going to plead the blood of Jesus, and in the name of Jesus, we're going to take our authority, and we're not going to let the enemy keep the upper hand. Because the enemy, he comes in with satanic oppression in our mind. I, I meet people all the time where they're bound up in their mind. They're bound up in areas. And that doesn't make them a bad person. It doesn't make them disqualified as a Christian. It just means there's a stronghold there. There's a lie the enemy's got in and he's got them bound in that area. And, and they need somebody to help them because they're in that castle. They're locked in that, that dungeon, you might would say, and they don't know how to get out. If they did, they would, they would get out because they're not happy with that stronghold. That stronghold is ruining them. That stronghold is binding them. That stronghold is robbing them of confidence. That stronghold is robbing them of, of joy in life. So they don't want it, but they don't know how to get rid of it. We as Christians need to learn how the kingdom of darkness operates and how we can come alongside and help each other rather than be instruments of unrighteousness. Did you know that we could be instruments of unrighteousness in the name of Jesus and a very religious spirit would lead us in it where we do harm when we really, we think in the name of Jesus trying to do right. 
Because you say, well, I told them the truth, and the truth will set you free. But the Bible says that also everything that we should do should be done in love. And we should tell the truth in love, right? So there's a way to tell. So you've got you to gotta learn how to work with God coming against the strategies of the enemy so that these folks won't be, because they're already in a stronghold position. And, 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 and you go in there, and if you don't go in there correctly, you will then, representing God, bring more pain in their life, and now they're, they're even afraid to turn to God. Because you represented God and you brought pain into their life, so now God even hurts me. Does this make sense? Strongholds. I see strongholds in marriages. If you've got a covenant relationship that, that uh, comes from the Word of God and the heart of God, let me tell you what, it's going to come under attack. So you say, well, I've been married for 120 years and we've never had an argument. You've been, you've been disengaged from that relationship. I can tell you that right now. Because if you have a covenant relationship out of, the, out of the will of God and the heart of God, the enemy's going to try and attack it. So we've got to learn how the kingdom of darkness operates and how the enemy's trying to destroy our covenant relationship of marriage so that we can come against that with the kingdom strategy of God's kingdom and we can have the light and the love and the unity and the blessing and the favor that God wants rather than the opposite that what the enemy is trying to do. We've got to get this because divorce rate is not going down. I, I want to see the divorce rate go down rather than up. And if the church, if we can be more effective, we can help more people save their marriages rather than lose their marriages. Because there's a war going on. There is a war and there are specialized special ops forces that have been trained in the spirit realm that Satan has sent out to try and destroy marriages. And, 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 and it's like, if we don't see that, we're not going to offer anything or any insight that's going to help people. They're just going to lose. They're going to lose right and left. And, and uh, so we see that. And not just the marriage relationships, family relationships. If, if God has created it where we have husband and wife and mother and father and children, sons and daughters, then the enemy's going to fight that. He's going to try to pull your children away from you. He's going to try to pull your grandchildren away from you. He's going to try and destroy, separate the sons and the daughters from the mothers and their fathers. That's what the enemy does. And, his, and, and he's very good at it. But when we understand the kingdom of darkness and how it's operating and that the family is under attack and we can help our whole family see that, then we'll come together to fight the real enemy rather than fight each other. If we don't identify the real enemy, we're going to fight each other. And, and that is a very dangerous place to be. The strongholds are like temptation that the enemy uh, brings in these thoughts into our mind. And, and if we don't, we don't come against those, if we don't see the danger of those temptations and we begin to think on it, that, that temptation comes to you, now you're thinking on it. Next thing you know, an appetite's going to arise uh, from what you've been thinking on. And then the next thing you're going to start doing is you're going to start being very vulnerable and reaching out or being open to uh, that appetite being fulfilled. And believe you, believe you me, the enemy's working in the, uh, his realm to bring whatever that appetite that doesn't line up with the will of God is to bring that to you and to shine the spotlight on the forbidden fruit. We see this in financial, uh, with finances as well, where people get into financial bondage. And it's like, you know, 
I've always been in debt. I'll always be in debt. I live in a country that's in debt. Uh, Everybody around me I know is in debt. So, you know, debt is just supposed to be a part of my life. And that begins to hold you captive. And let me tell you what, debt, uh, while it can be managed, it should be something that we're all trying to get out of rather than get into. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, uh, and I know there's strategic ways in businesses to use debt, to, to leverage and all this stuff. I understand business. Now, I'm talking about this consumer debt where we're just consuming and consuming and consuming and, uh, and things that we could have some self-control and put off, but we run and get what we can't afford. And because we're buying with money that we de- it's not ours, it's going to cost you more. And if you look at the compound interest of how even credit cards do, and you're just paying the minimal, you'll be paying 20, 30 years trying to pay back that, you know, seven, eight, ten thousand dollars and and it just never goes away. And, uh, and, and our country is in a crisis with student debt uh, now, where student loans have uh, been taken, and, and, and let me tell you what, they've been so easily given, but when they're calling for the payment of that and the repayment of that, uh, there's, there's teeth to it. And, uh, and I've talked to people who say they can't even qualify to buy a home or they cannot do, move up in life in some situations and their credit rating was so low because of their uh, dealings with their student debt that their insurance is higher and you know, their car insurance is higher and other things is higher. And the banks won't even work with them on trying to uh, own their own home and stuff. And it's like they're in a bondage. They're held captive. And, and if you believe that's the way the Lord wants you to live, then you're going to operate. But let me tell you what, you can, you can combat that. I remember back in 2000, uh, 2000 when were you born? 1997, 97, boy, he's a 19 year, a 1990s guy. And uh, so in 95, we got married. And uh, when we got married, I, had, I was just going to school, I was financing my own school and and I was working on that I was building this church and this church wasn't able to pay a salary so I was paying to be here and you know my other fellow pastors would laugh at me and say you're the only preacher I know that pays to have a job uh, and that says a lot for you and I don't know what they meant by that but I I said you know what I'm not going to listen to them the Lord called me to preach and I'm going to keep on preaching but uh, for years just paying to be here uh, like hundred and twenty thousand dollars in debt and uh, when we got married, and uh, that was that was huge for for I mean just huge. It was no house. It was nothing but but uh, education and uh, getting this church going and roof on the buildings and heaters and air conditioners and new carpet and oh my goodness, all the water tap fees and the sewer fees and all that stuff that had fines on it and it just kept going, just kept going, kept going, kept going. But we got married and we got a revelation. We went down to uh, Myrtle Beach for a financial stewardship conference. Uh, Al Taylor was uh, teaching that. And we were listening to some teachings that we got for a Christmas present. Uh, and was that cassettes? That was probably back in the cassette day. And uh, Pastor Deacon and I are going to Myrtle Beach and back and we're listening to these cassettes. Uh, how many of you have ever heard of uh, Leroy Brown? Thompson, Leroy Thompson. Yeah, yeah. That, that was his series, uh, Leroy Thompson and Kenneth Copeland. So we were listening to those going and coming back. And I finally got this understanding that I wasn't, I really believed that I was born in debt. I had always known debt. I'd always heard debt. 
I lived in a country of debt, and I believed that you were, that was just part of life. So I'd accepted it. And it came layer upon layer upon layer upon layer, and I would get to the place. I remember one time one of the furnaces died in the, in the uh, old sanctuary there, and I called, and it was going to be, I think, $11,000 or $12,000 to replace it. And, uh, and church didn't have any money. And, uh, and I was praying, and I was like, Lord, help me. And I go to the mailbox, and I get another credit card offer. And I said, well, let me, this may be the Lord. So I filled it out and, and went online and did what it said do. And I got approved for like $15,000. Oh, this is God. So with great confidence, I'm writing a check that came with it uh, out to get this furnace. It all looks good, right? I'm doing this for the Lord, for the church. You know, this all looks good. But you add another eleven, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 to the other tens of 20s, of 30s, of 50s, of thousands of dollars. And it, always something like that was coming up, always. And I just had this mindset, you know, this, you know, the Lord will help me. The Lord will help me. Thank God he did. I didn't drown in it. But it was quite suffocating for a new marriage that we were in. And we were listening. And as we were listening to this, we got this understanding that, wait a minute. That, that, that we are to be the lenders and not the borrowers, and that there is a supernatural side of God that wants to work in prospering his people. And I don't say making us jet setters and, and, and running all over the country, you know, eating a snail here and going over here to eat a mushroom or something over there or whatever. I'm not, you know, that kind of extravagance. I'm talking about that more than enough. That more than enough, El Shaddai is more than enough. His, his nature is, his character is, his name is El Shaddai is more than enough. So it's like, man, we're, I, I've been serving a God that's uh, poor, a God that's struggling, a God that, that uh, you know, doesn't own the cattle on a thousand hills, you know. And uh, he's got a lease and he's past due paying his lease payment on even that, you know. So that's kind of my mindset. But now I got this revelation. And I said, we're going to put this to work. We're going to put this to work right now. And we'd always tithe. That's all something I've done since I was 17 years old and gave my heart to the Lord. I'm like, you know, I was going to tithe and give offerings to the Lord. But I gave it out of uh, ritual. You, you know what I'm saying? I just gave it out of ritual. So now I saw that to engage in God's plan, I had to do all things by faith. Because if you do it without faith, it's sin, Right. So it's like, wow, I, I've not been using the faith side of this. I'm going to engage and in, be involved in the economy of God. And, and I'm going to bring the whole tithe and the offering. And, and, and Pastor Deacon and I prayed about it. And we both came together and said, you know what, on that trip, we said, we're going to double it. We're going to double it. So we, you know, we're going to double it. Now, we're in a position where, where in the world would you double it? But, but we so understood the faith side of engaging in the supernatural supply of God. So we came back, that was January, and uh, come November 1st, we, and we, we, we were, it was probably the end of January, and uh, so then we learned we're pregnant, and, and we said when we learned we're pregnant, this child, and I told people for 10 years before I got married, I was going to have a boy, he's going to look like me, I was going to name him Townsend, and now I just got to find me a wife that'll marry me and like that name. Thank God Pastor Rodica did. So we, we got pregnant and we said, this is going to be a boy. This is Townsend. So we started talking to Townsend and uh, we said, son, and I, I declare, I said, son, you will not be born into poverty and you will not be born into debt. You will be born into a debt free home and we will teach you the ways of God so that you will prosper God's way. Now here, she's not even showing yet, but we're declaring this. We're decreeing this. 
Now, we're $120,000 in debt. We're still in a church that can't give us but a few hundred dollars a week. And uh, nothing, you know, but we just trust God that God's going to make a way. So we decree it. We declare it. We buy, I mean, I've got more faith now because I've got this revelation. This was one area of stronghold that has now been exposed. And the devil's not going to hold me here anymore. So I began to declare to that beautiful woman there, even as that little belly started pooching out a little over the months, I said, son, your name is Townsend. You're going to be born. And the devil said, oh, a girl's coming out. And I said, devil, you are a liar. <laughs> uh, boy, you're going to come out. You're going to be born in a debt-free home. We weren't debt-free. And when he was born, on, we were at a, a harvest party out on a farm, out kind of where we were this past year, uh, on the Goodwins farm there. Uh, and we were on the Kennedy farm. And Pastor Radika, she's eating hot dogs and hamburgers like gone crazy. I'm like, what is wrong? She said, I don't know what's going on. I just can't. I'm hungry. I can't. And all of a sudden, she began to shake, rattle, and roll. That little boy said, he's coming out. And I was like, no, it's Halloween. I don't want a preacher's kid born on Halloween. Come on now. We got we to stop this. Stop eating. Stop eating. We got to change your environment. So, so we left everybody out on the farm, and we, I brought her home, and we were still living here in the parsonage, and, and uh, we get there, and, and, uh, and I start praying, Lord, please don't let this baby be born on November, no, uh, October 31st. Really, truly, there's nothing wrong with that, but I just didn't, you know, I, that was my immaturity at the time. I just didn't want that to be his birthday, and, uh, and I said, you know, honey, you want to lay back and let's, uh, elevate your feet, and she said, no, no. She said, I'm going to get ready, and she goes and showers and puts her nail polish on and her toes. I mean, she's having contractions, and she's fixing herself up, and uh, and I'm never, you know, this first time being a father, so I'm real nervous about it all, but uh, I know this boy's going to be born, and this is going to be great. So we go to the hospital, and he's born November the 1st. That next morning, uh, he comes along, and uh, that's been a blessing. But the new, good news is, when he came to this earth on November the 1st to be born uh, in this, uh, uh, born here, uh, he was born into a debt-free home. So from January, the latter part of January to November, in those 10 months and a few days, God did a miracle that I still to this day, we still tried to write it all down. How did that happen? How in the world? But $120,000 plus thousand dollars was completely taken care of, and God gave us excess, so this boy was born into a house where there was more than enough. I can't take credit for it. I'm just here to tell you there is a supernatural side to God getting involved in your finances, and the stronghold will tell you that's nonsense. This lying, demonic stronghold will tell you that can't happen. This lying, demonic stronghold will tell you it'll never work for you. But I'm here to call the devil out and to show you how the kingdom of darkness operates. He's a liar. You don't have to believe him. You shouldn't believe him. You should, you should believe just the opposite. And if he says you'll never, ever, ever be out of debt, you should start rejoicing right now as one who is debt-free because the devil is a liar. Amen. You've got to learn how to pull down these strongholds by having the, the word of God and the truth of God trump the lie of the enemy. 
So you've got to, you've got to uh, uh, pull them down. I love that's what Paul uses here in Corinthians. He says you've got to pull down these strongholds. You have to identify them and pull them down. What are the strongholds that the enemy has on you? What has he bound you up in? What is he making you feel like it's never going to work? It's never going to happen for you. You're never going to see it. You're never going to walk in it. What is it? I'm here to tell you whatever it is, it is a lie. It is a stronghold, that may be true, but it is a lie, and that lie needs to be dealt with. That stronghold needs to be pulled down, and Paul uses that imagery, pulling down the strongholds uh, so that we can understand what to do. Casting down the arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's what it's doing. It's exalting itself against the knowledge of God. When I got, when Pastor Radika and I got the knowledge of God, and we believed the knowledge of God more than what the knowledge of our experience that Satan had so strategically brought into our life, that's when things begin to shift. That's when things begin to, to turn completely around. And let me tell you what you say. Well, that's just to get you out of a, a hard place and then you just got to coast through life. No. We said, no. We're, this parsonage is falling down. The termites has eaten it. The engineers have gone under it and said it'll cost more money to fix this thing than it's worth. Do you really want to keep it? And it was just in such bad shape. The mold had gotten so into the insulation it was going to have to totally be, be taken down. And they said the only thing holding the floor together is the tongue and groove floors. There's nothing under it. There's no beams. There's no nothing. The termites have done you in, sir. And I said, well, go under there and put me some temporary jacks. They said, put jacks up against what? The floor? And you know, I'm like, really? Is it that bad? And they're swimming because of the water. You know, it's just a bad, bad situation. And uh, so we said, well, we're going to believe God. I mean, we're debt free now, but we're going to believe God. We're going to get some land and we're going to be able to build our house. And the Lord gave me a vision of a house that I was to build. And, and I said, you know, this, we're going to put this house on some land somewhere. So we began searching and we go in all these developments and they're like, yeah, developer, developer, developer. You couldn't build your own house. And we went into this one neighborhood not far from here and it says, uh, you can build your own. They just have an architectural committee and you just have to meet certain criteria. But if you want to build it yourself, you can build it yourself. And uh, so we're like, this is it. So we began riding through there and I claimed a lot. That lot was so far above our head, but I claimed that lot because we got, we came out of that castle, we came out of that prison where we could not, we could not succeed. We said, devil, we're going to succeed. We're going to be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. We're not going to live like this. There's mold just is eating up the walls and I'd go in Townsend's room and the whole wall would be black. I mean, it was a white wall, but it would be black to the ceiling, the whole wall overnight. It was like demons in this mold and stuff. And that's not healthy to grow up in as well. But we said, we're coming out of here. We claimed that land. Pastor Radika, I was preached one Sunday and I was tired and I was uh, uh, resting. And uh, she said, let's go look. Let's go look for this land. Let's see if it's available. And I said, uh, we've been claiming it, but it, you know, the things it was you know, sold. But she goes. And I said, no, I'm tired. Well, that girl, she goes and she finds the real estate agent there. And she said, my husband's claimed this lot right here. So well, I told you it's sold. She said, well, I want to put some money down on this lot here. 
And the lady said, I told you it's sold. And she said, let me tell you. She said, well, she said, well, let me see who bought it. Maybe we can negotiate with them. She said, well, well, maybe. Let me see. And she pulled the phone. And she said, oh, my, my. It just came. They switched it for another line. So that lot's available. She said, here's $1,000. She writes a check for $1,000 and says, hold it for 30 days. Can you hold it for 30 days? She said, or 60 days, I think she said. And uh, the lady said, well, we did 30 days. So later on, she comes home. I bought us the land. And I said, you did what? And she said, I bought us the land. So we go back and talk to the lady and said, please talk to the developer and see if they'll give us 90 days. Now, we didn't have, uh, I think it was like $58,000, $60,000 for this lot. We didn't have that. But, you know, we had $1,000 and, uh, and we're debt free, praise God. So we said, uh, you know, could we have 90 days? Like, you know, we needed 90 days. God needed 90 days. And she said, well, let me call. And she called back and said, 60 days is as big as, as long as we can give you. So they, uh, we're like, okay, we'll believe God for that. So we signed your papers and we said, 60 days, 59 days from now, right now, we'll be closing on this land. And uh, so we began to uh, say, Lord, You've done it before. Uh, we're just willing vessels. And we begin to declare it and believe it. And we begin to give seed offerings into it. I mean, we just, we just exercised our faith because we knew what God had done for us in the past. He was going to do it. Well, you know, the Homerama had been in that neighborhood the year before. And, uh, and the Homerama had another out in Edinburgh, I think it was, was going to do Homerama out there. But something happened with the developer and the land and some permits. And at last minute, they couldn't do it. So they came back to this neighborhood and said, can we host uh, Homerama here a second year? And they said, uh, yeah, we'll do that. We'll, we'll open up this other end up here and we'll do that. So they got so busy come the 90 or 60 days, they forgot to call us in for the closing on the land. And we didn't call them, you know, but, but we were just kind of hanging there and we were praying and God was, God was doing miracles and making provision uh, that was just uh, supernatural and it was all coming and all coming. But in 60 days, it wasn't all there, but they didn't call. Well, when Homerama was finally over, they called and said, you know, look, we've looked at this folder and your, your contract is, you know, it's supposed to be closed out. If you want to, you need to come on in. Let's take care of it. Well, we had all the money we needed. Then we went in and closed that. So then we got land that's paid for. And then we start marching on that land and we start praying. And we said, this is house. And we took the picture. I, I drew the house uh, that looks like the front of the church. That was just something the Lord gave me. And I took that picture and I went and nailed it. It was my tree. So I nailed it on one of those trees. Nobody could call me hurting a tree or whatever. I nailed it on the tree. This is my tree. This is my, our land. And we said, we're going to build this house. We're going to build this house. And uh, so the long story short, you know, we eventually did get the land, did get it cleared. We did get the house on there. And then uh, we said, Lord, we're going to I just want to believe you, God, for building this house with my own hands and and people come alongside that I can uh, bring subs in. And we're just going to pay as we go. We're going to pay as we go. I love this miracle of of just seeing provision. So uh, we, we were paying as we go, and I had the house built, and I had Tyvac wrapped around it, and all the windows and doors in, and then Morgan's on her way, and she's about ready to come out. And Mama says, I'm not bringing this new baby into this mold-infested house. She said, get the house done. And I said, uh, well, you know, I got a little nervous. I was like, yes. And I got distracted. I said, okay. Right, so I went to a bank. I said, can you help me get this here wrapped up, finished up so I can get our baby here when it's born? And the banker said, uh, well, uh, how far along are you? You got plans? Yeah, we got plans. And he came and did an inspection. And he's like, whoa, you got the whole house here. And he walked upstairs and downstairs. He said, yeah, we'd be glad to partner with you. And I said, only one, one condition, though. 
I says, uh, we, we're believing God that what we do uh, in this house would be that we're not going to be in a mortgage type thing where gr- mortgages, I think, means uh, death grip. Mortgage, mortuary, it's death grip. I said, we're going we're, we're to come in this thing with a LIBOR rate. And he said, what in the world is a LIBOR rate? And I said, now you're a banker. You know what a LIBOR rate is. I've heard about you bankers that y'all want to pretend you don't know what a LIBOR rate is. Uh, that London International, you know, banking operating rate uh, that you guys get money from. And he says, well, uh, that's for big businesses. And I said, no, they do it for homes as well. And uh, he says, well, it's tough. Uh, he says, you can't. You would never qualify for that. It's just the, the, the bar is so high. I says, tell me what needs to be done. I said, I'm going to pray my way through every step of it. And I believe I can get it. He said, okay. So he, he gives me the, the, the loopholes to go through. So we get this LIBOR rate at 1%. Can you imagine? A mortgage at 1%. I can take money and invest it and make a whole lot more. Well, it's just amazing. But it was an adjustable rate. That was the only thing. You know, it could go up each month. as a monthly adjustable. But I said, I'm going to jump in this. And we've been in that house for so many years, and, and it's, never, it's like up to 2%. Can you imagine? 2%. I want to pay it off. Because we've been able to do that. But it's like, I've got this I could use to make so much more money than that. So, so uh, and none of that came from schooling or none of that came from uh, any other thing but getting downloads from God. That God cares about our finances. And he cares about your finances. Hallelujah. So, so the good news is these strongholds need to be, uh, they need to be confronted. They need to be confronted and pulled down. And, uh, and if you'll do that in faith, using the word of God, you can come through victoriously. Praise God. So these strongholds, these castles, these fortresses have to be dealt with. Ephesians 6 and 12, he tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but what? Against these principalities and these powers and against the rulers of darkness of this age and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And this word principalities is arca, which is that which is first. I mean, it has that uh, picture of a root, that which comes first. So these, these principalities want to get rooted in your life and very young in your life. That's why a lot of effective counseling, Christian counseling, helps you go back and, and cut the root where you were young and you were vulnerable and you were innocent. But the enemy, he doesn't play fair. When you see genocide and you see these dictators go in and they kill uh, the, all the generations of people, they, they kill the babies too. Herod tried to kill Jesus and killing the baby. Pharaoh tried to kill Moses and killing the babies. The enemy will kill the babies too. He comes in when you're innocent and he tries to pervert and he tries to uh, uh, affect and tries to get a root of offense in your life. And, and we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It seems to manifest out here with flesh and blood, but there's really a root in there, and it's got a spiritual origin, even though it was maybe a physical manifestation of someone that the enemy was using that's put this root in your life. It's a principality, and it needs to be dealt with. We're, we're not to wrestle against flesh and blood, but we're wrestle against these principalities and these powers and these rulers of wickedness and darkness of, 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 of heavenly places. It's all in this uh, heavenly realm where we're to do this battle. 
So the spiritual power and authority is exercised from above rather than beneath. A lot of people say the devil is working from hell. No, he's going to go. Even hell is going to be cast into uh, uh, the eternal abyss, the Bible says, and Satan's going to be cast there. But now he's operating from a heavenly realm. Not God's heaven, but a heavenly realm. We see that uh, where there's the plurality of heavens. Let me just give you a few scriptures here. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be our God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So we see that there is a heavenly place. That's a plural there. So there, there's a heavenly place, uh, the singular place where Christ is Lord. Okay. Now, Ephesians 1.20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. So we see there again a heavenly places. Ephesians 2.6, and he raised us up together and has made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So here you are on earth, but you're also seated in this heavenly place in Christ Jesus. As a Christian, you are seated in Him. What He has accomplished is yours here on earth. You're still on earth, but you're also seated in this heavenly place. Ephesians 3 and 10 says, To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by what? The church. So God wants to make the manifold presence known by the church to who? The principalities and the powers in heavenly places. God wants to flex His muscle through the church against these powers and rulers in heavenly places. He wants to make manifold and manifest His will here on earth through us, the church, against what the enemy is doing here on this earth. So, so we've got to understand that this enemy, the enemy is working this strategic plan from a heavenly place, and that's where Satan is living right now and operating from, uh, not God's heaven, though, because there are several heavens. We saw the plurality of the scriptures talks about heavens, heavens, these heavenly places. We know God created the heavens, right, and the earth. So we know one of those heavens is the heaven that we look at, that we get our rain from and our star and the sun and moon and all the light that we get. He talks about that one. But in 2 Corinthians 12 and 2 and 4, Paul talks about being caught up to a third heaven where there he was before the Lord and he saw things that he couldn't even, he couldn't even put words to it in the grandeur and the splendor of God's heaven in that third heaven. And then John declares that there was war in heaven and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought against the angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. So, so Lucifer lost and was kicked out of the third heaven. But we now know that there is a second heaven if there's a third heaven and that's where he's operating from. And I believe that's what Jesus is teaching us in Matthew 16 and 19, where he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You and I don't need, in our limited understanding, to go into God's perfect heaven with our binding and loosing. Because one thing, there's nothing bound in heaven because this is a negative connotation. We know there's, that God doesn't have anybody chained up in heaven, right? But we know Satan, through that mid-heaven, that second heaven, where he, these principalities are that are in heavenly places, he tells us these powers and rulers of darkness are in heavenly places, that that's a place we're supposed to be binding and loosing, right? 
So we are called by God, equipped by God, and challenged through the Word of God to step up and to come against, to fight against, not flesh and blood, but to fight against these principalities that are in these heavenly places, and we are to do it through binding and loosing. We have that authority. Amen. So let us look just real quickly at some of the weapons of our warfare so that we don't just run into this fight uh, with our bare fist, just screaming, I bind you, I bind you, I loose you, I loose you. And, and the devil totally knocking us off of our, off of our feet here. We got to understand how the kingdom of strategies work. Well, when we are born again, when you're a child of God, God's given us, through His Son, the example of how to fight against the attacks of the enemy. For one of those weapons is the Word of God. The Word of God. That's why you need to know the Word of God. That's why you need to memorize the Word of God. That's why you need to meditate on the Word of God. It's better for you to know a little of the Word of God and know it than to try and memorize all of the Word of God and be clueless. You need to get a hold of a truth of the Word of God, let that truth, just like I was telling you the example that Pastor Rodica and I had about the truth, that he who was rich became poor, that we who were poor might be made rich in Christ Jesus. When we got that understanding, and, and I had this mindset, oh, rich, you know, rich is bad. Rich, you know, the rich can't get into heaven. Uh, you know, the rich man can't get into heaven. So I had this stronghold that if you had riches, then you didn't, didn't have the Lord. But then in this study, I understood what he was saying, where it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. When you study it in its original text, it says that it's, uh, the rich man is the one who is held by his riches. His faith is in his riches. So it's easier for you to get a camel through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man who puts his faith in his money to get to heaven because money can't get you to heaven. If you've got a billion trillion dollars, you can't get to heaven with it, Right? So you, it's impossible. It is impossible. So your faith has to be in the Lord. So one thing you can pray the wisdom of the, of the Proverbs where God don't give me enough, don't give me more than I need to the place that it would cause me to deny you. But give me plenty that I can meet the needs of my family, my children, my children's children, and have access to be a blessing to those that are in need. Hallelujah. So that you can be the El Shaddai example here on earth of the God of more than enough. He is your God. So you need the Word. You need to get a revelation of the Word. You need to come to Bible study and, and have an open mind to study God's Word and let the Spirit of God lead you to truth. Don't let Pastor Jim lead you to truth. Let the Spirit of God, He will teach you all things that you need to know. That's why we need to welcome the Holy Spirit. As we welcome the Holy Spirit, and He helps us identify what's true and what's false. So when we hear truth, now we're, we're open and, and vulnerable to receive that truth. And if we'll receive that truth, that truth will truly set you free. For he says the word of God is living. It's living. This word that we preach to you, it's living and it's powerful. It's powerful. It's more powerful than any stronghold. It's more powerful than any lie that has been holding you captive. It's strong. It's powerful. And you need to let the Word do a work in you. It is, a, it is, a, it is a sharper than a double-edged sword, he says, so that it can even bring forth the piercing to the division of soul and spirit and joint and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. We need to superimpose God's thoughts over Satan's thoughts. 
I used to think you had to be sick. I, for some reason, I thought even being sick was a godly thing. It was because you felt humbled when you were sick. So I thought maybe this was, you know, because how many of you, when you're throwing up, feel all cocky and prideful? How many of you, you know, when you're in so much pain that you're, you're, you're sweaty, you feel like you can stand up and be arrogant? No. So I thought, man, to be sick was to be humble. To be poor was to be humble. Well, I was one of the most humble people you'd ever met because I was sick and I was poor. And, and I was proud of it. Can you imagine? I was proud of it. But when I got the revelation, that's not what Jesus came to this earth to do for me. That he came not only to redeem me of, of, so that I could go to heaven, but he hung on a cross, a cross that, that, that had a loophole in the law that uh, my curse could come upon him because he hung on a tree. For cursed is he hangs on a tree. So that the blessing of Abraham could come on me to get the curse off of me so that the blessing could come on me. And I get in Deuteronomy 28 and start reading about the blessing and man, it'll make you happy. It'll make you happy. It's a good, good God that we serve. And He wants you blessed coming and going. He's a good God. And when I got that truth, I said, this sickness has got to go. And I began to fight against it with the weapons that I'm sharing with you now. I began to fight against it with the Word of God. And now let me tell you what. When that, that, that lie of those, the, of those spirits of infirmity, they, they were like, they, were, they would growl. They would get mad. They would cause me greater pain when I would come at them with the Word of God. But but I said, if I die, I'm holding on to the Word. If I die, I'm not backing off of the truth of God's Word. And I kept pushing the Word, and I kept pushing the Word. I kept believing the Word, and I kept declaring the Word. And do you know what? The Word works. The Word works. Hallelujah. And it'll work for me. It'll work for you as well. And another weapon is the name of Jesus. I was coming at this with the Word, but I was coming at it in the name of Jesus. Tim Lambert's out of the equation here. My Savior, my God, my Redeemer, my Healer, my Provider is now who I'm standing in the shadow of. And I began to come against every lying spirit and every demon spirit and every bondage and every imagination and every thought the enemy had put in my mind with the name of Jesus. I was like Peter who said to that lame man, silver and gold, do I not? That's not what I have right here. What I have, I'll give it to you. That in the name of Jesus, you've never walked before. Your bones have never held up your weight of your body before. But there's a name that can take and transform what has never happened and make it happen. And get up and walk and the man's walking and he's jumping and he's leaping and he's running and the whole town is changed and affected because of it. I said in the name of Jesus, this sickness is coming out of this body. This sickness is going back to hell where it belongs. And in the name of Jesus, poverty is coming out of this Lambert household. And in the name of Jesus, sadness and sorrow and, 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 and all this depression that I live with, it's got to go. There's a son, not only the S-O-N, but the S-U-N is going to rise up and I'm going to wake up in the morning singing a song uh, rather than singing the blues. I'm going to live a life where I encourage people rather than discourage people. I'm going to have source of heaven flowing through me that no matter what's coming against me, I'm going to show them the fruit of the Spirit because the Holy Ghost through me is greater than anything that is coming against me. And you're going to get love and you're going to get goodness and you're going to get kindness and you're going to get faithfulness and you're going to get patience. You're going to get what the Holy Ghost gives because I am now coming in the name of Jesus. It's not my name anymore. It's His name. Hallelujah. And then you come against Him with the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. The 
blood of Jesus. Let me tell you, the devil will tremble and demons will tremble when you begin to plead the blood of Jesus Christ because the blood of Jesus represents everything Jesus accomplished going on the cross. Hallelujah. It represents all of the atonement and everything that is provided through the atonement. When you say the blood of Jesus, Satan be against you, you're saying every work of Jesus be against you. And the devil knows that Jesus whipped him. The devil knows that Jesus defeated him. And the devil knows one day when he's let off of his chain, he's going to be cast into an eternal abyss. He knows that. So I come at him with the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Revelation 12 and 11, they overcame him, the red dragon, by what? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. It had to come out of their mouth. And in order for it to come out of their mouth in faith, it had to get those strongholds erased and triumphed with the word of God and the truth of God in their mind. You've got to get the right thinking to get the right results. If you've got stinking thinking, you're going to have the wrong results every, every time because our mouths are the center of spiritual warfare. Our mouths are the center of spiritual warfare. You're not going to come out with the word of God and the name of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb of God through your mouth with effectiveness if you don't get your tongue corrected. <laughs> See, the devil needs your mouth to accomplish his will, his will here on this earth. He can't do it by himself. He needs your tongue. He needs your tongue. But did you know God needs your mouth to accomplish his will for you on earth? Satan's always copying the God, always. For God says, it is the source of blessing. It is the source of life. But be careful because death and curses can come out of it as well. I'm telling you on the day of Pentecost, the first thing that the Holy Spirit touched and affected was their tongue. Came and saturated their mind. Fire set upon their head. Fire, fire. That means holiness. Fire. Holy Ghost. Fire. Purity. Fire. The holiness of God came and purged out the lies. See, when you want to live a holy life, you want to live by the mind of God. You want to live by the will of God. You want to live by the truth of God. Now, I know men have come up with their list and that came to be some kind of pseudo-holiness that said if you don't do this and if you don't do that and if you do this and you do that, you're going to hell or you're not going to hell or whatever. You're not, you know, all the things that they gave you in prescription. What we got to do is not get the mind of man and, and, and we got to get the mind of God. And we got to have our minds sanctified. We got to have our minds renewed. We got to have our minds refreshed. We got to have our minds anointed. Because let me tell you what, you got more time in traction in the flesh of life than you do the spirit. So it's easy and natural for you to have a mind of the flesh and do the things of the flesh. But we've got to have our minds transformed. We've got to have our minds renewed by the word of God. We've got to let the Holy Spirit and the fire of his purging nature come in and burn out which is wrong and purify and elevate with higher value the truth. See, the truth may be so, uh, uh, subjugated to a lie. And you've got the truth, but you've got the lie. And the lie is louder than the truth. Well, holiness, when the Holy Spirit comes in with fire, he burns off the dross. He burns off the chaff. He burns off the stuff that is not supposed to be there. And that stuff that was dirty 
dirtying your mind now gets burnt off through the holy work of the sanctification power of God and now the truth that was maybe buried in your mind begins to shine. Just like now, I understand how to live in the blessings of the Lord and I'm not going to live any other way and I don't have to, I don't have to, I don't have to manipulate to get it. I don't have to go out and tell everybody my sad story that they'll feel sorry for me, to give toward me. You know, oh man, that used to be the way. I'd travel and, and the sadder the story, I thought maybe I could get to touch somebody's heart. This was back when I used to evangelize and maybe they'll feel pity for me and they'll help me out. And the ones that did, I felt bad about it because while my story was true, the story was negative and I left more negative pictures in their mind than positive. Well, you know what I learned? Man is not my source. Hallelujah. That God is my source. And when God showed me that He... I didn't have to be a man pleaser. So that was one of the first spirits I had to go. Man pleasing spirit. So if you ever want me to come and just fluff your feathers and, and to try and please you and you want to manipulate me, it, it won't work. It won't work. I'm going to love you because Jesus loves you. You don't have to manipulate me to love you. You don't have to manipulate me in any way because I don't want to please man. I want to please the Lord. But by pleasing the Lord and letting the fruit of the Spirit flow through me... I I believe you're going to see more love and more goodness and more kindness and more patience and more long-suffering and more of all the fruit of the Spirit because that's what He, sh he shines forth. Amen? And that's what we're all called to do. So the Word of God, the name of Jesus, and the blood of the Lamb, th this has to come through the power of our tongue. So, uh, so we've got to learn. There's, there, there's many ways, but there's four, little, four or five here. Let me just give you this real quick in closing. In, in letting your tongue release these weapons of the Word of God, the name of Jesus, and the blood of the Lamb. Let it begin in your prayer life. Let it begin in your prayer life. Pray thy will, you know, pray, Father, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Not my will, thy will. Amen. And you begin to pray. You begin to pray in, in binding and loosing those things that Satan has held captive and those things that need to, that things that Satan has sent out that need to be bound, bind them. And those things that he's held captive, maybe he's holding uh, something in your life captive, uh, you, need to, you need to come against it. Come against it in prayer. Let the prayers go into this uh, second heaven and say, I'm here to do warfare. I am not letting you take this from me. I'm not letting you steal this from me. I'm not letting you hold this from me. And this mess you got throwed, you got loosed in my life, it stops right now. And I bind it in the name of Jesus. We got to learn to bind and to loose. And we got we to do that. But also in our prayer time, talking to Father God. And, 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 and talking to Him and listening to the Holy Spirit speak to us and minister us and Jesus uh, comfort us. Let me tell you what, there's so much in our intimacy time with the Lord that can be developed through our prayer time. But we take these weapons and we come against the enemy in prayer. We take these weapons and we come against the enemy in preaching. And some people say it's not popular 21st century preaching to preach like this. But we're not trying to be popular because popular people can be bound people. Popular people can be living uh, under the curse. Popular, popular people can die of sickness and disease. Popular people can be broke, busted, and disgusted. But they're popular. It's where the crowd goes. I'm telling you what, we got a real enemy. We can't, this, you can't, you can't with lights and with some uh, uh, a swoosh of popularity uh, uh, contend against the the enemy now he may leave you alone if you're not affecting his kingdom of darkness but let me tell you what i want us to be a part of a church that's coming against the gates of hell 
Do you hear what I'm saying? That, that we are expanding the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, and that, that can only be done if we come in here for battle. And the preaching of the Word of God. Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, convince rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. If long-suffering wasn't in that verse there, I would see that it would always be easy and everybody would be ready to hear it. But there's going to be some long-suffering that needs to go forth. And we need to stick together and say we're going to keep teaching the Word of God because it's the Word of God. The fire of His Word purifies and the fire of His Spirit purifies it. And if we're going to be uh, the one that see God without holiness no man shall see him if we're going to be the ones that see God we better stick with the word amen and not try and change it and then the testimony you you know that he said Jesus said that you will be witnesses unto me you'll be witnesses unto me we've got to testify we got to witness for what God has done we got to tell others some people say pastor you shouldn't tell your testimony of, of how the Lord got you out of debt and got you in your house it'll make people jealous it'll make demons jealous it'll make demons jealous because they got whipped they had two bound little young Young, we were young. She's younger than me, but I was as young as her because I stay young. Hallelujah. But we were young. And the devil had us. And we were going to be the poor, pitiful preachers that I'd met so many times in my life that, that people said, oh, here comes the preacher. He's got his hand out. He's going to get his hand in my pocket. And I grew up in a, in, a, in a family and all that would talk like that. Oh, the preacher's always after your money. Poor thing. He's trying to feed his children. Trying to feed his children. And I'm like, man, this person's representing God. This person's representing the victory of Jesus over Satan, but he's the most defeated and talked down upon man in the community. What's wrong with this picture? Let me tell you what. I learned what was wrong with it because they, they hired them and they fired them and they were so afraid that if they were to, to get, you know, to preach in the Word and somebody said, you can't preach the Word, then they get fired in the family because I went and stayed with them. And at Christmas time, even at Christmas time, the week before Christmas, they were told, be out of your house. Be out. This is the church's house. Be out. We got a new preacher coming in here and he's going to have his Christmas here. You got a week to get out of here before we can clean the carpet. And they had nowhere to go. They had nothing. It was just a surprise that came up to them. Let me tell you what. The devil's ugly. The devil's mean. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to let, uh, just because God's called me to be a preacher, because here's what I used to, I made a deal with the Lord. I said, if you don't make me go be a pastor, if you don't make me be a pastor, just make me a, a wealthy man and I'll give the money and I'll keep the church going. I'll just give, I'll give thousands and thousands of dollars. Lord, I'll sit on the back seat. I'll give it anonymously. They don't even need to know. And, uh, and the Lord wouldn't, wouldn't take the deal. You know, he wouldn't take the deal. But then, you know, because I had that mindset. Because if I go from one end to the other end, then I've got to be poor and I've got to be, I've got to be pathetic and I've got to be sad and I've got to be sick all the time and I've got to be, you know, trying to get some tears out of people's eyes so that they'll respond to an altar call or whatever. No! I'm telling you, He saved me. He redeemed me. He healed me. He prospered me. He's blessed me. He put a smile on my face that it comes from Him. He's put joy in my heart. And I'm not ashamed of Him. And I'm not ashamed of what He has done. And I see it was a trap. It was a principality. It was a fortress of the enemy. It was a stronghold of the enemy. And now I kick against that stronghold as hard as I can. And I'm going to come against it with prayer. And I'm going to come against it with preaching. And I'm going to come against it with 
testimony and you should too. You should start testifying every time God has healed you. And you say, the last healing I had was 30 years ago. Well, go back to 30 years ago and bring that one out. Dust it off and start talking and bragging on a God that heals, a God that delivers, a God that lifts up, and then a God that saves, and a God that turns people's lives around, and a God that breaks the power of addiction, and a God that can do the impossible, and a God that can do in five seconds what men could never do in five million years. Let me tell you, you've seen it, I've seen it. We need to testify and let our tongues send forth the dark, send forth the blood of Jesus, the work of Jesus, send forth the name of Jesus, send forth the Word of God in our testimony. And others that will hear it, guess what? Something in them will say, that's the way you're supposed to live. That's what I want. He's the one that I need to be serving. And you will see a mass uh, entrance of people coming to want to serve the God that you serve that is such a good God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I close with that tongue being the center as we send forth the blood and we send forth the Word and we send forth the name of Jesus in praise and worship too. In praise and worship too. And Paul and Silas gives us the greatest example of that. A midnight hour in the midst of warfare where the enemy's trying his best to destroy them and silence them in that inner prison there, in that dungeon, in that sewer trap that they were bound in. They were chained in. They were stocks in their feet. They were prison bars in front of them. But at midnight, what are they doing? They're trying to show us what I'm trying to show you right now. That they knew, they knew that they're not wrestling against flesh and blood. That Philippian jailer was not their enemy. And we see that turned around, right? But their real enemy was in that mid-heaven. And they began to use their tongue, the Bible says, so loud that every prisoner could hear it. And they began to sing praises unto God in that midnight hour. They've been stripped, naked, humiliated, bound, lost their freedom, in a sewer, everything stunk, there was pain, there was bleeding, there was scabbing that was taking place. But they said... Where we're at right here can only be transformed if we'll reach up here. We need to do some binding and loosing. And we need to send the darts of the Word of God and the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus so that we can split open that mid-heaven and that we can see the third heaven manifest that Jesus, thy will be done, Father God, on earth in our lives as it is in heaven. And you saw the miracle. God responded by shaking the foundation of the prison. The prison bars are open. The chains fall off. The stocks fall off of their feet. And they're freed. And everyone who heard them was freed as well. And now the Philippian jailer is falling at their feet. Saying, what must I do to be saved? How can I be saved? And he leads him and his whole family to serve the Lord and live for Jesus. Let me tell you what. we got to learn that we don't respond to our circumstances from our circumstances. That when we come into this church to begin to praise the Lord and worship God, you know, if we're not careful, if the music's not just right or it's a song that we're uh, used to or, or maybe if what happened out in the parking lot or what happened to the person you're driving here with and you kind of got into an argument, because let me tell you what, the enemy will start arguments on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. He'll start them between families. And uh, got you looking to the flesh, looking on the natural, looking flesh and blood. Praise and worship will pass you by. You may not even come in here to even enter into it because you don't see the importance of it. You don't see the importance of it. Wow. If one can put a thousand to flight and two can put 10,000, 20 of us can put 10 septillion to flight. If you run the math, run the math, run it. Wow. Coming together and praising and worshiping Him. 
but not limiting it just to a congregation. Let me tell you what, I praise him in the shower. I praise him driving down I-64. I praise him when I'm on Kempsville Road at the longest red light that's in Virginia, there at Kempsville Road in Indian River, you know. And uh, I praise him. I used to get mad and fuss at the light like that was going to change anything. But I start praising the Lord. This is my opportunity to get through all three verses and the stanza four times before that light's going to (laughs) turn. Praise God. You got to let the word of God and the spirit of God sanctify your mind. Purge your mind. Purify your mind. So you start saying the word. Saying the word. And the authority of the name of Jesus on the provision of the blood of the Lamb and not letting the devil hold you bondage anymore. Amen? Do you receive this tonight? God inhabits our praises. He moves in, Yasha. That's a covenant word. He moves in like in marriage. Everything that's his is yours. And everything that's yours is his. Yasha, that word inhabits there. So... He comes in, he brings you all his stuff. All his stuff's good. But some of us may have some stuff in our closets that's not so good. Let him take that out. Let him cleanse cleanse us. Amen. Would you open your heart and your mind to the sanctifying work of the Spirit of God so that your mind can truly be transformed and renewed by the Word of God? If you will, he will. If you will, he will. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Father God, we just thank you for your word that kind of exposes and in a great measure just uh, lets us understand the strategy of even the enemy so that we don't have to be tricked and beguiled in this, but we know how to stand, how to fight, how to move from a place of a bondage to a place of freedom, how to move from a place of, of, of being under to be in a place over in you, Lord Jesus. So, Lord God, we just ask you tonight, as we meditate on your word, as we take and review your word, as we speak your word, Lord God, let us do your word. But God, we ask you, by the presence of your Holy Spirit, that you would come in and purge us right now, cleanse us right now, sanctify our mind. Just ask Him, God, just come in. Be at liberty. Lord, I give, you, I give you access to every room in my mind. And I ask you to come in and sanctify my mind. To bring about a cleansing. To bring about a purification. To bring about your anointing. Lord God, to do a work in my mind. I've wrestled with these thoughts. I've wrestled with these ideas. I've wrestled with these, uh, uh, these addictions. That, that All addictions start in the mind. Lord God, I, I've, I've been fighting them, but I surrender them to you now, Holy Spirit. And as you came on the day of Pentecost, tongues as a fire and set upon their head, that you would come and set upon my head even this night. And that you would bring the fire of heaven, Lord God, to help me be liberated, set free out of this castle, out of this prison, out of this cell, out of this bondage of these principalities, these powers. And Lord God, that I can stand up and begin to fight. Fight the good fight of faith. To fight against these principalities. To fight against these lies of the enemy. To fight from a position of strength. From a, from a position of truth, from a position, Lord God, of authority.
And Lord God, I know that only comes when I receive assistance from you, Lord God. You are my faith. You'll bring the faith that I need. You'll bring the truth that I need. You'll bring the anointing that I need. So I invite you. Lord, we say so many times, come into my heart. Yes, Lord, do come into our heart. But Lord, tonight we're saying, come into our minds too and sanctify our minds. These computers, they need a reboot. Our computer, it needs, it's got some viruses in it that needs to be uh, cleaned out, Lord God. Download some antivirus in our mind with the presence of you, Holy Spirit, that we would begin to identify the threat. We begin to see what the enemy is doing as this discernment is teaching us tonight. And we'll begin to put up our firewall and say, no, you're not coming in. You're not coming back. That's, that's the old me. That's what you used to do, but you're not going to do that anymore. Lord, help us learn with the intelligence of your divinity. Help us to learn, Lord God, to operate and to function with the intelligence of your Holy Spirit. Lord God, as we stand against every wile of the enemy after putting on the whole armor of God. Let that helmet of salvation, Lord God, bring about a sozo of our mind. Taking out that root putting the axe to the root and saying, Satan, you may have started this when I was young and while I was innocent, but you're not going to keep doing it anymore. I put a stop to it tonight in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for the victory that you've already given us and that we know now that we can walk and live in that victory as we war against the wiles of the enemy. In Jesus' name. Lord, bless your people, I pray. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would seal this word on our, in our hearts and in our mind that we would not lose this truth, but that you would bring back to our remembrance what we need as we can fight from a position of strength rather than a position of weakness to advance your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God.